We are in the last week of the sermon series, which it's bittersweet. I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready to go on to whatever is next. But man, I love these series. Uh, so we'll just look forward to next summer, uh, the You Asked For It series, where we get sermon suggestions from the whole family. And um, this week is... Uh, Another doozy? <laughs> so last week was a doozy. This week feels like another one, but in a very different way. Um, and so we will, um, uh, I'd love to share the question and then we'll actually pray. Are crystals doing spells and similar crafts a sin? That's a kind of a paraphrasing, but it also came with a little bit of an explanation. Is it really a sin or did people just write it into the Bible or make it seem like a sin because they didn't like it and the power or connections that they have? Um, so which, right, for, for this is actually a really solid question. Um, I think for many of us, like we, especially if we've grown up in church or if we've grown up in traditional churches, it's like, Literally everything that is not saying Jesus' name at the end of it is, is, is potentially not right. <laughs> like, what you doing? <laughs> so, um, so as our world, and particularly even on social media, wrestles with like, okay, so Christians, we got rocks now? <laughs> and wait, where's Jesus? And uh, what's happening? Um, there's, it's, a, it's a legit question, especially as we grow in our also understanding of um, our role in the earth and um, how we utilize our faith together. So it's a legit question. We'll talk through it. Um, I entitled the sermon, Bones, Stones, and Ibuprofen. <laughs> um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 is where we'll be. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Um, God, it is uh, been preserved and left inspired by your spirit so we can understand our relationship with you, our relationship with one another, our relationship to creation, and even gives us the foundation of how to move confidently in and through that. Lord, this question has a, as the ambiguity of, of all of how we have to try to figure out life baked into it, but you give us a foundation of confidence in your word. And so, Lord, um, we rest on that today, and we trust you with it. Um, bless our time. Bless everything that I say, Lord. Be glorified in it, um, and may it build up this body. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that we kind of have to talk about before we actually start talking about stones and crystals and all of the things um, is witchcraft, right? This question is, in essence, about the connection of crystals and spells and anything else as it relates to witchcraft. So let's kind of have a solid definition of what witchcraft is because sometimes we don't actually have a solid shared definition. We're like anything that starts with bibbidi bobbidi boo is a witch 
and I want us to have a solid working definition. So witchcraft, or in some of our Bibles, it would use the word sorcery, which feels a lot like, you know, like Middle Earth. <laughs> but <laughs> sorcery is the use of spirit, spirit realm means separate from God. That's the best way to say it, because oftentimes we lace in lots of other things that are connected to this, but ultimately, this is it. So here's the truth. This is not, this is a neutral statement. Here's what I'm saying. There's a bunch of saved folks out here doing this. (laughs) Right? This happens amongst Christians. Using spirit realm means separate from God. That's a neutral reality. What our motivation is and what our intent is determines whether or not this is something that is positive or negative in our right perception. But at the end of the day, good or bad, our judgment of it is not really the point. How it felt for us isn't the point. Anything that is using spirit realm means separate from God is witchcraft. So let's talk a little bit about stones. (laughs) This picture for a second. Um, At the end of the day, fam... Stones and crystals are rocks. They're minerals. Some of those minerals are combined and they're like they're, and you see, you can't see through them as much. And some of them you can see through them a little bit more. What we generally consider a crystal, you can is a little bit more translucent. And what we consider a stone or a rock, you can't really see through it. It all really kind of comes out of the same place, the ground. And it has ways in which it in, the, the, the elements of a crystal or a stone interact with hu- the human body and creation as a whole. That shouldn't feel abnormal to us. We're made of dust, right? <laughs> These things are made of dust. We're made of dust. <laughs> and their interaction with them is just a part of what it is to be in nature. Here's what I want us to, I want us to not get lost because there is truth to individuals seeking to use crystals and stones for whatever means they have minus God is witchcraft. That's actually where this question comes in is because there it has been a noted pattern particularly of the church saying, hey, they're doing stuff with rocks without God. (laughs) It must be bad. And continue the pattern of that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. But in and of itself, rocks and crystals don't do anything that is separate from what God created them to do. (laughs) It is what we Use it for. That's why the title of the sermon is Bones, Stones, and Ibuprofen. Bones and stones were also used as a, as a way of casting lots. Many of you have seen that in Scripture before, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of my favorite 
New Testament uses of lots, right? So they have bones and or stones or other things inside of a bag and they throw them out and that helps them to know how to make a decision. In Acts, they were trying to figure out how to to, uh, replace Judas, the disciple, and they were like, well, there's only 11 of us now and it feels like there should be 12. So we're going to find a new person. We're going to cast some lots and whoever the lots land on, that's who we're going to move on with as the replacement for Judas. That may feel strange to us, but it was so common and so normal that that's what they, I mean, that just is what it is. And there, there was, some of the stones had lettering on them. They were just different colors. But at the end of the day, it wasn't because of the, like them trusting that the bones or the stones were the thing. It was God is going to speak to us through how these bones and stones land. And we will trust the Lord as a, as, and trust this answer as the will of God. That's all that was. It was no more mysterious. It was no more magical than that. And that kind of still happens. We still do that. Now, I kind of, I almost got one of the magic eight balls. (laughs) Like, cause some of us have made some of our biggest decisions (laughs) like a magic eight ball. I'm not saying y'all actually had a magic eight ball, but you're like, oh, should I move to California, flip a coin? Like, (laughs) Like, it's not really any different than that. But here's the challenge. Because other cultures have used it separate from God, it has been deemed as witchcraft or sorcery or or something that's bad. And it is separate from God. Yes, I'm saying it is. But there's also portions of Scripture that list moments where they're using bones and stones to make decisions. And I want you to hold on to that tension for a minute because some of y'all are like, where are he going? <laughs> hold on to it. There's other, another portion of Scripture that has some stones in it that I just want us to hold on to some tension about. This is in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 21, new earth is being established and there's this wall being built. And this wall is built... And it says this, the wall of the city was built on the foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, <laughs> the eleventh jacinth, jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Okay, I'm trying to get us not to think any way in particular, but I do want us to hold on to the tension for a second because the the question is asking about crystals being sin and the use of spells being sin, and we actually need to kind of comb through a little bit. Similar to last week, we need to comb through a little bit so we can see what's happening because here's the thing. If we say all stones are from the devil, then new earth is inhabited like the whole, the whole wall. <laughs> We're surrounded by something that's the devil at that point, which I don't think that's a thing. Right? 
So there must be something else. If they're using bones and stones to make decision and acts, and there are precious stones, crystals, and emeralds that are all a part of the imagery of new earth, then there has to be something here that at least doesn't mean it's automatically Satan's dice <laughs> that we're playing with. There's something else here. And he, I don't want us to walk out of here or, or log off confused about what is. So I think we need to, just like we had a definition about what witchcraft slash sorcery is, we need to have a common understanding about something before we move forward. Everything on earth was created by God for humans to steward with godly wisdom. That's the thing. When God made all the things, he said they all were good. And yes, sin stains, sin distorts, sin just like we have been stained and our, the goodness that God made us in is distorted because of sin. Everything on the planet has that exact same kind of potential for distortion. But let's not in any way be confused Crystals wasn't something that Satan thought of, like, it was like, let me figure out how I can make something that these people can have power for. Like, crystals is God's design. <laughs> Rocks are something that God made up. Stones is something that God made up. And the way in which they serve creation is also something God made up. And when we start to attach morality to the thing itself, not the use of the thing, the thing itself, we start to actually mess up. Humans will always place the line of morality in the wrong place. We just do. If it feels good to me, then it's moral. If it makes me uncomfortable, then it's the devil. I'm just being honest. Here, Let's, let's be honest about, because I have family and I have friends who refuse to get chemo because that's not Jesus healing me. I'm, I'm trying to make it super practical. Because we place the line of morality at the wrong place. I have friends who, like, legitimately, like, oh, I feel like something. I'm going to just pray and I'm going to, you better get you some ibuprofen out that cabinet. I also have friends whom I have a headache, I need to go get my rock. It gets a little confusing, doesn't it? It gets a little confusing, doesn't it? Where's the line? Where's the line? Like, I mean, legit. The reason why, I and mean, you can Google it right now. Like, put in a precious stone and ask the way it impacts the body, and you'll get an answer for it because it's a pattern. It wasn't some crazy person that just was like, I feel like typing this today, so I'm going to just type this and try to truth trick the whole world. There's a pattern of how these things interact with humanity, and someone has been able to record that pattern over time and say, this does something. Just like ibuprofen? Question mark. Just like naproxen? Question mark. 
we have to be careful as Christians to not place the line of morality on the thing. Because it's really not about the thing. You can fully trust the Lord and take Tylenol. Right? And we would say, and we know that, right? That's laughable. But it feels awkward for us to say you can fully trust the Lord and also understand how this precious stone impacts your nervous system. That feels weird. I mean, honest. I'm just being honest. I was raised in a Kojic church and anything but Jesus was sin. I'm just being honest. Okay? So I'm saying, to, I'm, I'm saying we have to, I'm trying to comb through the line, not so I can tell you what to do with stones, because that's not a thing. But I am one, I do want to be super clear. If in Scripture there's no morality placed on a particular item, then it can't be about the item. It's got to be about something else. It's got to be about something else. In Michigan, this is going to sound, I I know it's even getting a little bit more hairy. In Michigan, in the last five years, it has become legal for us to utilize marijuana. And for those of us who have, like, what, what, what? Was that two years ago, three years ago? Can't even remember now. But those of us who are over the age of five have never lived in Michigan where that was legal. And so if a doctor is like, have you ever considered medical marijuana? Mm, That's the devil's weed. That's the devil's lettuce. Saints? Me? With the devil's lettuce? Never. And I'm not telling you to. But I am saying that everything that is on the earth was created by God to be used for humans with godly wisdom. And when we place the line of morality on an item, we will oftentimes get it wrong. And we will have people living in pain and in shame simply because... They thought it was wrong when what they needed was the self-discipline to understand how to utilize it in a way that brings glory to God and is for their good. That's why the title of the sermon is Bones, Stones, and Ibuprofen, because there's a way to misuse ibuprofen too. There's a way to misuse bones. There's a way to misuse stones. There's a way to misuse ibuprofen and any other item that has been found in creation. And that is where I want us to actually draw our attention. Because we will get into arguments about items that at the end of the day are meaningless. And in no way do they help us in our faith. But they do create some anxiety around our relationship to creation and creator. So, now we get into Galatians. Oh, this has absolutely nothing to do with stones. But I do want us, I want us to see something. Paul is teaching in Galatians chapter 5 about the freedom that we have been given in Christ. And ultimately, the beginning of this chapter, Paul says, basically, listen, you got freedom in Christ, but don't use it for your own, like, selfishness. Use it to serve one another, right? Like, this ain't about you, boo-boo. Like, <laughs> this is, like, 
you have freedom, but there's also responsibility that's connected to that. And so he continues in uh, chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. We'll keep going. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Pause. The reason why I said that it's important that we have that definition of witchcraft slash sorcery is because we can get lost in semantics when we're talking about evil. <laughs> Your like sinful nature doesn't desire to use crystals and cast spells. <laughs> That's not a thing. Sinful nature desires to get whatever that gets me <laughs> minus any of the goodness or, de- or obedience that comes along with my relationship with God. That is initially what sin is, right? When we go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, the Adam and Eve, they get the fruit. It wasn't because, hmm, I don't feel like listening to God today. I'm going to just eat some fruit. No, it was they were told something good would happen as a result of eating the fruit. You're going to be like God and know the difference between good and evil, which in and of itself isn't bad. The bad part about what was happening is, hmm, I can know the difference between good and evil minus God. That feels good to me. That's sin. (laughs) That's the evil thing. Some of us are like evil and we start immediately thinking of dark creatures with red eyes. We immediately start thinking of green skin and warts and a cauldron. We immediately start thinking of somebody murdering somebody. And that is not how the Bible defines evil at all. That's not how the Bible defines sinful nature at all. Anytime we're trying to get something that we deem as desirable or good minus the will and or order and or desire of God, that is how the Bible describes as sinful. So the truth is, witchcraft kind of takes this really broad definition at that point. There's another portion of Scripture that says rebellion is like witchcraft. Because ultimately, it's to say, I can get anything I want minus you, God, and that's okay. (sighs) So when Paul is talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, it's not that the Holy Spirit will just keep you from killing other people. Yeah, that's a thing, sure. And the Holy Spirit will keep you from cycling in a pattern of fulfilling your own needs and comforts minus God. Continuing, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, okay, I'm sorry, I got to pause for a second. Did you catch it? The sinful nature actually keeps you from being able to carry out your good intentions. Right? Remember what we talked about before that like what God said is good, 
we, is good. Sin distorts it, but it doesn't take away the good. Sinful nature keeps us from being able to live out the good intentions that actually are there. And the conflict of, I feel like the Spirit is encouraging me to do good, but I want to be able to just, ah, I can, you know, like, I just, I just want to do this. I'm going to just do it this way, God, because that actually makes more sense for me. It's easier. It'll be quicker. And, um, yes, we're in that conflict. But most of the time, most of the time, we're not actually in conflict about something that we seek or that we think is actually bad. We're in conflict about our method to getting what we think is good. I want to feel accepted and embraced and loved. So I don't feel it coming from this place. And I don't know that I'm worthy of it from here. And so I'm going to experience look for this in sexual partners over and over again. It's not just about the thing. There is something good that you desire, and it is this conflict that actually keeps us from actually being able to live in the good intentions piece, right? Okay, keeping it moving. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, that's in there, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division, <laughs> envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. <laughs> Uh, some, of your, your, some of your Bibles says orgies, and, and that's in there too. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know that many of us haven't connected that port. We're going to continue in this, but many of us haven't connected that portion of Scripture with the idea of witchcraft and or sorcery and or spells and or crystals and or rocks. But I want to actually make sure that we seat that in there because, one, it is seated in there in Scripture, right? Sorcery. But also because ultimately every single thing that we see on there is not just some random, I don't know, I don't feel like listening to God. It is me trying to get what I want minus God, <laughs> period. And that honestly, and that's why that last little thing and all other sins like these, they all fit in there. They all fit in there. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I know that's a whole lot. Here's why I read that. I have said from the beginning of this sermon series with lots of people that it is our responsibility as preachers to honor the question and. 
honor the question. The question is, is using crystals and spells and other things like that a sin, or people just make it seem like a sin because they didn't like the power that came along with it? Using crystals, rocks, and anything else that is on this earth is not a sin in and of itself. Anything that you are trying to use to get what you want minus God is. (laughs) Period. Anything you're trying, and so I want to broaden the question. Broaden the question. If we have been given some freedom in Christ, then anything on this earth is for us to be able to use with godly wisdom. And anything I'm trying to use separate from God is sin. (laughs) And some of you are like, oh, that still makes me uncomfortable. That's okay. We also, the freedom that you have doesn't mean you have to use them either. (laughs) That's what freedom means. The freedom doesn't mean that it's, it's one or the other. And when we place a line that says you either trust in God fully or you trust in man's medicine, you either trust in God fully or you trust it in spells, I think what we end up doing is we end up hindering the freedom that we have and ultimately we stop doing what Paul was just encouraging, which is being led by the Spirit. Because ultimately what ends up happening is I'm more so led by my fear of the social consequence of this than I am by the Spirit. I'm avoiding stones because I feel like people will reject me if I touch one. I feel like God will not want me if I touch one. And I'm saying to you that Paul's encouragement is that we be led by the Spirit. What if I'm unsure? Then don't touch it. Because <laughs> it's freedom. What if I'm unsure about how this ibuprofen will impact my body? Then don't use it. <laughs> Pray, talk to your doctor, and keep it moving. Here's what I'm saying. Get our eyes off the thing. Get our eyes off the thing. When I'm having conversations with people whom are so preoccupied with whether or not it's wrong to use a particular thing, I say, lift your eyes from the thing. Who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? If you believe that your comfort and your healing and your rest is going to come from any one thing, then that's what I would love for you to lift your eyes from. But if you say, God, I'd like to use this thing as a part. Is this okay for me to use as a part of what you're doing in my life? Yes, Holy Spirit. No, that's way more like how we should be. That's because it's way more about an intimate relationship with creator God than it is anything, anything. Because the truth is everything separate from God. Some of us use our jobs like witchcraft. And you don't think about it that way. But you refuse to ask God to provide for your needs because you can do so on your own with your job. Get your eyes off the thing. God, thank you for how you provide for us. Is this a way in which you want to provide for us? Holy Spirit, I receive it. 
It's literally no different. And I know that we want to make it different, but we want to make it different, and it's not because that's Scripture. We want to make it different because we're uncomfortable, and it's a lot easier for me to say, if this is the line of what sin is, it's a lot easier for me to build a wall right here for y'all so you don't get anywhere close to it. But if we don't get close to it, then you actually can't hear the Holy Spirit say, stop. You're going too far. Be led by the Spirit, which means that we have to have the freedom to get this close to it. And Holy Spirit said, yeah, you're going too far, buddy. You better back up. I know that makes us uncomfortable. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then you get to put a wall there. But I can't put there one there for you. That's the difference. You can put, you have the freedom to say, listen, I ain't getting nowhere close to that. (laughs) I'm going to be way over here. You stay there, I'm staying here. But the moment I do that, then I become your Holy Spirit, and I ain't interested in that role. That's not something I want. That's way too much heat. I'm not trying to be responsible for what you do and what you don't do. I do want you, though, to have the desire for an intimate enough relationship with God that says, how far can I go? Should I go this far? No? Okay. So there's actually something that I said last week that applies this week too. Any activity you can invite God into with joy and peace, go for it. That makes us uncomfortable. I know. I'm not telling you to go buy a bunch of crystals I'm not telling you to do that. I actually don't want that for you. What I want for you is for you to remove your attention from the thing and for you to focus your attention on God. If you focus your, listen, God is not going to, in, not, God is not going to encourage you to be in a place where you're not supposed to be. That's not a thing. It's like, oh, you got freedom, so do whatever you want. No, mm, daughter, son, I don't want you there. <laughs> So I don't care what your neighbors are doing. I don't want you there. (laughs) And then you get to wrestle with, but they get to do it. Yes, they do. And you don't. So, (laughs) right? It's okay. This is what that looks like. I think that what we've done is we've taught each other that it's supposed to look like a cookie cutter thing where I tell y'all what you can do and what you can't do. And then we go about our business and we feel good about it. But we actually know the fruit of that is anxiety. That's not actually joy. That's not actually peace. You're not comforted by that, and you don't grow. (laughs) You don't. Why is the church full of a bunch of baby Christians? Because pastors tell y'all what and what not to do, as opposed to saying, we have some freedom. But I really want to help you develop your relationship with Holy Spirit so that when you get too close to the line, you can hear the sirens that say, oh, that ain't what we're supposed to do. That's way more like what I want for us. It's way more like what I want for us. Chase, where is that in Scripture? Samson, chosen by God as a judge, could not have uh, fruit from vines and couldn't, uh, <laughs> couldn't do a bunch of stuff that everybody else could do. That may be true for your life too. There's some things that the Lord has made it very clear that I'm not supposed to do, that y'all can do, and I'll never tell you you can't do them. Because ultimately, it creates more confusion than it does actual peace. 
and joy. And there's a fruit, or excuse me, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, but there's also a gift of the Spirit too that's actually really, really good at this um, when we start talking about what we use in terms of spirit realm stuff. The gift of discernment of spirits. Most of the time when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we stop at discernment. And we really think about that as a person whom is a part of the body of Christ who makes good decisions. And that's really wisdom. That's good. Some of us have the gift of wisdom, and that's a wonderful thing. We want to see that on display in the body of Christ. But discernment of spirits is different. Discernment of spirits is you walk into a room and it feels off what's going on over there. You walk into a service and there's somebody that's preaching and everybody seems to be agreeing with them, but something feels off. The people are praying, and, but something just don't feel right about what's happening here. And, it, and everybody else seems to be okay with it, but something is off in your spirit Oftentimes you chalk that up to just you being paranoid, but there is a spiritual gift called discernment of spirits that is a part of the body of Christ as a, like it's designed to actually keep the body safe from things that are not godly. So that the church can actually function in freedom and can actually listen and follow the spirit, there are built-in mechanisms to keep the body of Christ safe. Discernment of spirits is one of them. Let's say, let's, let's, let's talk about it, right? You're at a prayer meeting and somebody pulls out some oil. Nobody thinks second, nobody second guesses oil because it's a tool that we typically use in prayer. But something in that person with the discernment of spirits feels awkward, feels weird, feels off. Well, guess what? Christians ain't the only ones who use oil. Witches use oil too. <laughs> like, and the whole point of their role is, I call it like the gag reflex of the body of Christ. I know that feels weird. But the whole point is so that nothing poisonous gets in. That's what a gag reflex is. It's to expel anything or make sure nothing gets absorbed that's not supposed to be there. I know that feels weird, but just stay with me. We're talking about the body of Christ here. <laughs> the, discern, the gift of discernment of spirits is we have to actually free people who have that gift to say, yeah, that feels very not like God to me. And we have to actually allow people to develop and grow and say that with confidence because that's the authority that they bring to the body of Christ. Real, real talk, that's not my gift area. <laughs> I don't feel everything some of y'all feel. Some of y'all feel some stuff and I'm like, I, I, don't, everybody, I don't feel it. I don't know. My job as a pastor just means to care for y'all. That's my job. I love doing it. But if you ask me to discern some spirits and whether or not some tool is okay, I'm going to look at some other people like, is that all right, sis? Because I don't feel nothing. (laughs) That's how this is supposed to work. But if we don't have these people online, engaged, maturely operating in their gifts, then the truth is 
the best thing for us is to put a fence between it. That's the truth. So, the, so here's what I want to say. If Paul encourages us to be led by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit has given a mechanism so that we can actually operate in freedom, we have to let that, that function be operational. Because if we don't, then our only recourse is then we don't experience the full freedom that Christ has given us. And we start avoiding things that we actually should be able to walk in with joy and peace. I'm not talking about crystals or rocks. I'm talking about bones, stones, ibuprofen, and anything else that's on this created planet. I want us as a church family to have these people online. I want us as a church family to listen to these people and to trust when they say something feels off, when two or three of them say, yeah, something feels off about that, then it's something that's off about it. (laughs) I want you, if that's what you feel, I want you to know that you are empowered to say it. Say it. (laughs) Don't just sit there in silence feeling uncomfortable. We need you so that we can operate in freedom and empower, because if not, the only recourse is then we have to be so far from it that we don't actually get to enjoy the freedom that God's given us. I want us to be, I want us to enjoy the freedom, but we also need to have godly wisdom and be led by the Spirit in it. I'm not going to make you self-identify, but you know I'm talking to you, discernment of spirit people. You know I'm talking to you. You chuckled. Uh I know. Yeah, you're uncomfortable because I'm talking to you. (laughs) Seriously. This question is super complex, but not complex because Scripture is unclear. Anything we're trying to do minus God falls in that category of sin and witchcraft. Any tool that is on on this planet can and should be used with godly wisdom. Be led by the Spirit, not by our own desires, and have the people online in the church to help us know when we're going too far. If we're not willing to listen to them, then the best thing for us to do is put a fence there so I don't fall over the side of the cliff on accident. Some of y'all really wanted a yes or no. Sorry. (laughs) I don't have one, but I do have this. There are people who are part of our church family who actually, like, they, this is their jam. Like, they understand how, like, neurosystem is impacted by what various different things. Megan is like uh, like the guru of all the things that, that are here to know. And even, on, even as it relates to listening to Holy Spirit saying like, yeah, that's too far or yeah, go for it. <laughs> like that's a journey that all of us are on that she is equipped to help us with. If you have questions, don't Google it. I'm telling you, don't Google it. Don't do it because you'll end up actually going, most of the time we'll go end up further than we need to go. But there are people that are part of this body who understand that. And there are people with the gift of discerning the spirits that say, yo, bro, not that far. And we get to submit and listen to one another as a part of godly wisdom. 
So that's the end of the series, which feels weird, but it's good. <laughs> so here, oh. <clears throat>